Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the SMIE Consulting Midweek Roundup. I'm your host, Marty Bennett, and today, July 7th, 2021, we're going to be asking three questions and answering them uh, that we've been hearing from international educators the past week. First up, what do students want this fall? Second, can you over-communicate your vaccine policy? And third, how are UK universities responding to aggregators? We'll talk about these three questions and more in just a minute. Before we do, want to say obviously a special shout out to those that are watching live here on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's always a pleasure to be coming to you as part of your uh, work week. And uh, every day we, uh, we talk about uh, the differences uh, in our international education uh, approaches in the United States compared to other countries. And we're certainly going to be one uh, that uh, we'll, we'll be sharing, sharing you, with you uh, to, uh, in the coming days and weeks uh, as we look, um, look to, uh, to, to talk about what's happening in our wider world. So we appreciate you being here for this week's edition of the Midweek Roundup. And we're going to start with a question that seems a little bit simple, but it's certainly one that is important as, uh, as we answer the questions that uh, we see uh, boiling up uh, all over, really. Uh, and in terms, of, uh, in terms of what we see as, as important issues in prospective students' lives as they are looking to make that, that important decision uh, related to where they're going to, uh, where they're going to study, uh, in, the, in the coming days and weeks. Uh, they're looking to, uh, to join in and be a part of uh, institutions around the world uh, for their first uh, live ex of experience uh, studying in person. Uh, and we're really at a point in, uh, in the pandemic where we're seeing a lot of challenges, frankly, uh, to institutional uh, institutions that are having issues with with regards to how they're managing the crisis uh, of COVID-19 on their campuses. Uh, we're also seeing uh, a variety of different challenges that, uh, uh, that you're seeing uh, on your own campuses uh, related to vaccination policies. Uh, so it's important at this point to really pause and take a look at what uh, students are actually asking for uh, in or expecting in the coming days and weeks as they make their arrangements to come to campus this fall. So, a couple of surveys that we'll be touching on briefly today. First is one by Intu, uh, Intu Partnerships. Uh, they have surveyed uh, uh, 625 students across 80 countries, uh, students that were going to be coming for study in the fall. Uh, those were bound uh, for the U.S. actually uh, had the most positive outlook on their study plans for the fall term. Uh, with 63% uh, showing that uh, were most positive about, uh, were about their future uh, related to their study. Uh, because, why is that? Because they were uh, majority, 90%, vast majority, 90% of U.S. colleges are planning to be in person this fall, and that makes, a, makes an important uh, difference in international students' preferences for where they want to be and how they want to study. So the UK and US did seem to be the two destinations that were the most positive for, uh, for, 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 current, or for current, currently uh, in the pipeline students for study. 
And if you'd like to get more information on the on this article that I'm referencing, as with all the pieces of uh, news that we cover, we've dropped the links into the comments section on the Facebook page for SMIE Consulting that you're watching now live. Uh, if you're watching on repeat on, on YouTube, uh, you can uh, get the link to the Facebook page to get those uh, news stories that we cover. But you can also get that through our SMIE uh, Consulting newsletter uh, called All the SMIE News Fit to Share. And that comes out Mondays at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. You can go to smieconsulting.org slash subscribe to subscribe to the newsletter and also see all past editions of our uh, news uh, that we share main themes with here on Wednesdays. So uh, aside from this uh, Into Partnerships uh, survey, uh, what I think is important to keep in mind with any student survey is take a look at what uh, when they ask the question, what are they most looking forward to? What are, what's the reasons for motivations for studying abroad? Those kinds of questions, because that matters. That matters because it's a cue to you to make sure and, and go through your comm plans and find out, are we sending out the right messages to meet the needs of what students' expectations are? And from this survey, the four pieces of information that they cited most highly uh, that uh, what their higher education experience is going to do for them uh, first, boosting career prospects, 75%. So outcomes matter. Um, do you have information that you're, you're profiling through your comp plan about uh, career prospects for your graduates, uh, international graduates in particular? Uh, where can they potentially do internships, work experiences, and where do they get jobs after graduation? Are you tracking that? They want to know that, and they want to know that they're going to be in their chances of getting that job that uh, they're hoping for will be enhanced because of their experience on your campus. Uh, next up, they're looking for high quality instruction. So obviously most all institutions talk about that in some way or another, but are, is that front and center for your prospective students from overseas? Intercultural exchange at 62% and then engaging with students from across the world uh, also at 62%. So those were the four clear uh, far and away winners in terms of what students are prioritizing or expecting from their experiences. So I think it's going to be important as you as you uh, look to your comp plans for the as you for this last stretch before students arrive. If those have been emphasized uh, in the previous few months uh, that you've been sending out messages to these students, and also it's a good reset for the coming year if you don't have those already part of your plan uh, to connect with your prospective audiences. So good, good, good insight from that into survey in terms of student preferences. There's also one from QS. Uh, QS, uh, as you know, connected to the world rankings. Uh, they have their own world rankings uh, that they, they produce yearly. But they also uh, do ongoing uh, reports on uh, student preferences for studying overseas. And this one, is an, uh, they have a monthly report that they put out in this one that I'm dropping the link to. Uh, in the, on the Facebook page does cover a lot of uh, is the kind of the you fill this form out you'll get the report uh, link so that's a good place to start I'll also be putting my copy of that report in uh, the comments as well and the highlights I really want to stress and there's 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 data on uh, in this survey about uh, the impacts uh, how effective higher end education institutions have been in managing the return to study during this phase of the pandemic. Uh, getting student impacts on that. Uh, it's, it's also this survey does look at current student, currently enrolled students who are not yet in country, uh, what their their perspectives is uh, are on on the various issues involved. So there's some there's some decent data in here uh, that gives you a mix of what's uh, what current and prospective students 
are uh, doing, it talks about what campuses have done to, and this is not just U.S., this is global, uh, what campuses have done to uh, limit the spread of coronavirus on campus in the past year uh, in terms of online education, masking, and all of that type of thing. Uh, but what I think is important in this particular survey that I want to emphasize are some of the data points regarding uh, when return to face-to-face -face education this fall uh, as also on the impact of vaccines and how well uh, these plans are communicated, uh, whether they even make a difference in their study abroad plans. Uh, the lion's share uh, of students that were surveyed for this through the QS report say uh, that it uh, it hasn't made any difference to my educational plans, 42 percent. 16 percent have said the vaccine makes them want to start their studies later. And 22 percent are undecided. 21 percent says uh, that it has accelerated their plans to want to study earlier. So most of uh, the, just having ha the, the fact that there is a vaccine available doesn't necessarily make or break a student's decision uh, to, to want to attend your institution. Uh, that the question, the question, interestingly, of do you think universities should require students to have the vaccine before they can travel? Fifty-eight percent, fifty-nine percent, excuse me, say yes. Uh, that universities should require that. Another uh, similar question: Do you think their tra uh, travel vaccine passports should be required uh, to before you can travel? Uh, there's, 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 there's some interesting data here, but. Uh, the U.S., as, as we know, doesn't have a, 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 a vaccination requirement for coming into the United States. Just the a negative COVID test bef uh, before three days before uh, you uh, you arrive. So, what is important about the vaccine, and I think uh, we t we know certainly in the U.S. that uh, vaccine that being vaccinated has become a very political issue. Uh, Anti-vaxxers are out there that uh, who are against vaccines in in general are even more so uh, vocal about their opposition to uh, uh, a vaccine that's approved for emergency use only. The vaccines that are required for students to attend uh, elementary and middle and high schools are ones that are approved for regular use. Uh, the ones for uh, measles, mumps, and rubella, for uh, TB, for uh, tetanus shots you need to get, other vaccinations you need to have had. Uh, those are all approved for regular use. Uh, so uh, there's even in the in the QS survey, there's some data there uh, so that indicates that students are still a little bit concerned. Some in, in some countries, some students that were uh, uh, quotes were, were quoted in this in this survey results uh, show that they are 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 worried about uh, the, uh, an emergency use vaccine and there's not enough data yet and how can it be trusted and so there's legitimacy uh, on on both sides of the issue here but what I think is important to keep in mind is that not students international students all are not always going to be in the camp of yes I want to have a vaccine even though you may be requiring it some of the, some camp, some campuses may be uh, maybe putting off prospective international students if they know that they're going to have to have a vaccine in order to attend. So that, that's just a, an, an area of concern because I know a lot of the press, certainly in the U.S., has been all over the fact that uh, in these 500-plus schools now, uh, which has been pretty much the same for the last month, it hasn't really improved or increased significantly, that there have been so many, uh, so many uh, institutions that are really um, uh, that, that's been in the news that everybody's requiring vaccinations now for students to start study. Uh, I've talked uh, at length in this, on this roundup about 
how um, that is potentially troubling for international students that don't have access to a vaccine before they arrive. Uh, and that's uh, even if they do have access to a vaccine, it might not be the right one, depending on where your institution's stance is on requiring which kind of vaccine, vaccines the FDA, CDC approved or the WHO approved. What happens if they don't have any either of those two, uh, like the Russian Sputnik uh, uh, vaccine and a couple of others that are uh, locally produced that aren't on these approved lists yet. And again, all these are, approvals have just been for emergency use only, not regular use. So it's going to be interesting to follow this uh, as, this, as, this, as the uh, discussions uh, continue. Uh, we'll talk in our next question here, can you over-communicate your vaccine policy? Obviously, it's related. Uh, and even the most uh, prestigious institutions who have made decisions like, for example, uh, Harvard and many of the, uh, of, of the Ivies now are going to be requiring vaccinations for, for incoming students. They're, uh, their policy is, yes, it's going to be required, and they do make exceptions or do allow for WHO and uh, Food and Drug Administration approved vaccines. Uh, that's in order to live on campus. So that's the, their policy. Harvard will require that all students receive a COVID-19 vaccination, vaccination authorized by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration or WHO in order to live on campus next semester. Uh, so, because of many other countries have not had the, the fast rollouts of vaccines uh, like we have had in the U.S., uh, there are international students that are quoted in this Harvard Crimson article saying that they, they have real questions about what, I, I'm not going to be able to get one before I arrive. How am I supposed to get one? Uh, and that they really haven't, uh, the university hasn't updated their websites. They might have sent emails out, but they, the websites haven't uh, uh, those that um, uh, they may need to quarantine or there are other concerns that are uh, important here, testing, uh, masking, all these other things that they're going to want to find out about. So one, one student uh, felt he was going to need to quarantine upon arrival uh, based on pri previous university communication to international students. So that's, that's, a, that's a real concern if that's what a, a student has thought has been communicated but that's not the case. Uh, is something that you you really uh, want to make sure uh, that you're you're communicating well and consistently uh, across the board, and that this is the this is the real challenge, isn't it? It's the time in the year when during the summer where everybody's kind of getting ready for students, new students to arrive, but you're also struggling with the kinds of procedural changes. Last year it was what, whether you're going to be in-person, hybrid, or fully online. Uh, this year it's a combination of that, which though most are going to be fully in-person. Uh, there may be still some hybrid courses. Will that impact new students' ability to come into the country? How have you communicated that? And the vaccine policy, the testing policy, the masking policy. How have you communicated those things? Quarantine. Uh, how have you communicated these steps? to your new students. Has it been one email that was sent out with all that information? Or has this been sent out through email on your website and social media and maybe live chats, pre-departure orientations? How have you been covering this very essential topic in your communication with your incoming students? You cannot over-communicate it in, uh, in terms of what your policies are right now for vaccines, testing, quarantining, masking, all of these things, they need to know. Modality of study for the fall, all of that needs to be 
front and center in almost every communication you have with your incoming students so you eliminate that confusion because when that because if, if if all students go off is what they see in the news in, in in their home countries about what what's being planned in the United States or visa vaccine policies or visa uh, at consulates you might think that there's they're never going to get a visa appointment and you might think that everybody's going to require a vaccine if you don't have one before you leave you're not going to be able to enter the US but right now, the only travel requirement related to COVID is you got to get tested three days before you come. And it's got to be negative but to get on a plane to come to the U.S. That's right now the only travel restriction that exists. If there are any changes, you certainly need to be front and center and make sure you're on top of that as soon as it happens so that you can communicate and update your incoming students about what any changes to that policy will be. So from the Harvard example, uh, there's, it's, there's, it's clear that there are some students that just aren't, um, aren't really understanding all, all the changes that are going on. And I think the next article we have from Politico certainly uh, reflects those changes as well that are confusing, frankly, for international students. And it's, it's called How Vaccines Could Cause Trouble for International Students. And it's put together by people from Penn State, University of Pittsburgh, and the AAU, Association of American Universities. And it really focuses on, well, okay, we're returning to campus this fall. 90% of colleges are going to be in person. Uh, so uh, it talks about the vaccines uh, that are going to be required at 500 colleges. But remember, there's 4,500 colleges in the U.S. That's 12% of our U.S. colleges are requiring a vaccine. So the vast majority are not. So, but the students, if that's all they hear is that news about 500 colleges, they think, oh my gosh, the, all, all U.S. colleges are requiring vaccines. So this, uh, which vaccines you, you will accept is going to be an important distinction you need to make. Uh, will you accept only w, uh, WHO and FDA or any vaccination? Like the folks at uh, NYU and Carnegie Mellon, they're saying that uh, if they've got uh, vaccinations for any vaccine, uh, they, will, uh, they, will, uh, they will accept that. Uh, but that, that's, that's, a, that, that's an important thing that you need to be clear with your students about uh, what, what the policy actually is. No matter what it is, Make sure it's clear and make sure it's communicated and make sure it's done on multiple channels at multiple times over the next few days and weeks before they get on a plane to come to you. As you want to eliminate as much confusion and take out as much stress in this process as you can to make that student feel more comfortable about their decision to come to your campus for study. So this is a, an important one. Uh, certainly we all need to be paying attention to. Uh, and when you think about over communicating, uh, when you have uh, in the case of Arizona, public institutions in Arizona, they are now prohibited from making any uh, masking, vaccination, COVID testing requirements for students while they're on campus, which poses some interesting challenges for those campuses in terms of what uh, they, uh, what the expectations they will be able to, to provide students. Uh, in terms of those three items, uh, masking, testing, and, and vaccinations, uh, in terms of requirements. So we'll be interested to see how this, this uh, public institutions in Arizona respond to this. We've seen some other issues in Indiana with uh, public institutions being prohibited from requiring uh, a vaccination, but in schools like Indiana University that we talked about last week, saying that if you're not vaccinated, you can't be on campus. Uh, you can't even be employed at IU if you're not, unless you f fall into the medical or religious exemptions 
that exist there. Uh, and if you're not in one of those, you're out of luck uh, at that school, which is interesting because uh, it is a very popular destination for international students in the top 20. Uh, so we're, it's going to be interesting moving forward what our campuses will do. And the, the key is whatever your policy is, uh, make sure it, uh, a student can recite it back to you by the time they get to campus because the, you want to have made that impression very clear as to what the expectation is because it will make a difference uh, in how effective uh, you, uh, you are in your ability to enroll these students this coming fall term. Last piece in the puzzle for this before we move on to our final question of the day. And that has to do uh, with regard to an article from the Pi News entitled, Stakeholders Call for Clear Communications on U.S. University Vaccine Requirements. Why? Because you can't say it enough. Because it, if, they, if, if students only listen to what they see in the news, they're going to get one message. If they're, talking, if they're hearing that, then they hear your message, which may be very different, particularly if you're not requiring a vaccine. You want to make sure that your policy is clear, that you're, uh, again, making that point over and over again. And the people that they're interviewing for this one, uh, there are... It's, it's folks uh, at ACE, American Council on Education. It's folks from the North American Association of Indian Students. Uh, and that's uh, some people who are, uh, are obviously thinking about this. And you think about accessibility to vaccines. Uh, it's, it's a big driver for students if they know that they don't have to worry about it, trying to find one in country where they might not be very accessible. And may, there may be people many months ahead of them in the line for a vaccine in their home country. If they know that you're going to provide those vaccines and they want them, and it's not required, but they can get one, that may be a great source of comfort for them. And Alan Goodman in one of the previous articles makes that point, that this is an opportunity for the U.S. universities to provide um, kind of vaccine diplomacy for uh, American higher education in terms of showing that, hey, we're, we understand it's a need. You might not have it in your country for many months or a year to be able to get a vaccine if you weren't leaving the country. We want you to know that if you want one and you're here in the U.S., you can get one. And that's, that's, that's a real coup, I think, if we're thinking about it through that lens of the, what the student's thinking. A student that uh, is maybe cautious, they've lost loved ones to COVID-19, they want to get vaccinated. That's a real important piece of, piece of the puzzle for them that will give them peace of mind, give their parents peace of mind, other relatives peace of mind. But that's something that your policies, whatever it may be on your campus, should be communicated and should have already been communicated in various ways to those incoming students that are, are you're expecting to enroll in the coming six weeks to a month or two months. So let's think about how you do that and through social media, through live chats, through pre-departure orientations, through email messaging and, and combinations of all of those is an important part and your website. The, the No student should come to you this fall to enroll that doesn't know what your policy is. Uh, and that's something that you really need to hammer home with every conversation, every message, every post that is related to incoming student requirements, this is what you need to be focusing on. Uh, you, last year was a whole different set of issues. This year, vaccinations are going to be top of the list and other related topics to their enrollment in the coming fall. Will they need to quarantine? Will they need to regular testing, Any, even if they are vaccinated? What's the, what are those policies going to be? Because you'd rather tell them this information in advance, be as clear as possible with them with your policy before they take the time to get on that plane and to come to you. 
So we'll talk more about the, these uh, very important issues in the coming days and weeks. But uh, clear communications, again, can't be uh, ex uh, overemphasized at this, uh, this important time in the emissions cycle. Now let's shift gears and get to our last question. How are UK universities responding to aggregators? And this is important here. Now we've talked about what an agent aggregator is uh, on, the, on the podcast, on the roundup here for uh, the last three or four months. Uh, so hopefully we're not, we don't have to rehash that now. But what we're, we're talking about with aggregators are there's different kinds. There are the more traditional aggregators, which are uh, the pathway providers uh, that have uh, networks of agents in different countries that help recruit students for different uh, institutions that they have pathway programs on. Uh, there are, uh, before that, there's uh, groups like IDP. IDP is probably the oldest agent network in the world. Uh, they've been around since the mid-80s, recruiting initially for Australian universities, but are now doing that for Australian, British, Canadian, uh, New Zealand, and U.S. institutions. So that's something that's uh, uh, kind of, and they provide, uh, obviously, boots on the ground in, in a number of different countries, 32 countries, I think it is now, for IDP. Uh, other other aggregators may have larger agent pools, and that will be the newest wave of, of agent aggregators, which are the ed tech platforms, the Adventus, the Apply Board, the Dream Apply, uh, Educo. Uh, those are the ones that have been coming up recently that have gotten venture capital investments to bolster their uh, their startup costs that have. Uh, enrolled hundreds if not thousands of agents from around the world to uh, direct their students to this platform and this platform will have uh, profiles in different countries where these uh, aggregators uh, aggregator platforms have signed up institutions in the US in the UK Canada Australia New Zealand wherever it might be uh, these institutions that uh, the aggregators have on their platforms are the targets for uh, the students that are being directed to by the agents uh, that are signed up with these aggregators. So uh, they're, uh, they play the middleman. They do all the payments to the agents. Uh, you have a, obviously your sign-on fees for, for working with, a, with, an, with an institution and are working with an uh, aggregator platform uh, or depending on what it is per student cost, whatever it might be. But the institute, they pay the agents directly. You don't really deal with the agents. So that's been a major concern typically as to whether these aggregators uh, allow the transparency that uh, universities that are working with agents now expect to have in terms of how their messages are, are, are trans, uh, translated to, to students in different markets. You get the issues of, uh, well, how do we know who these agents are in the first place? You really don't have that with uh, these platform-based ed tech aggregators. So uh, there's a, less, a lot of a, a distinct lack of feeling of a lack of control in a lot of inst institutions' eyes. Uh, so the reason I, I bring this topic up and, and I ask it is, well, it's important to know how aggregators are not just for the U.S. They are global. Uh, they agents recruit students to go to many destination countries, and um, we've talked in talking about what aggregators are. You you see a lot of these companies that might be based in like uh, Plyboard is based in uh, Canadian uh, or company, uh, Adventus is an Australian company. Uh, others are uh, Educo is a is an Australian company. Others as well uh, that have the multi certainly multinational purpose, and the student applies another as well. Catalyst, uh, GEM, 
uh, that really, again, take away and provide a completely online space where uh, students and you know, can find universities and uh, can then hopefully enroll. So uh, find the ones that are, are good fits and all of those uh, interesting dynamics that must occur during uh, the attraction of students to institutions. So uh, the partners um, in the UK, for example, uh, uh, universities that have been working with agents for many years, uh, they have uh, uh, they have they're have recently done a survey through their uh, UK EAS survey. Uh, that met, shows that many of many of the UK higher ed folks are already using uh, these platforms, these uh, aggregator platforms. Uh, they have worked with agents for many years, but now they are going with these bigger platforms to help expand their pool, so to speak. Uh, and out of 100 responses from UK universities, 53.4% said that they would work, say they would, they work, they currently work with aggregated platforms compared to 28.2% who say they do not. Uh, uh, that survey also said that uh, only 3% of institutions will not consider working with aggregators, uh, primarily because of that uh, a lack of transparency and control that they, they have over message and institution and, uh, and who these agents are that are promoting their brands. So there are a lot of different uh, uh, aggregators out there in the market now. They're, they're uh, bombarding university reps with uh, their, their business pitches for their platforms, and they all sound great, and they will vary slightly from one to, one to the other. But um, th there's one third, uh, the, the folks that are res responding do have some concerns uh, that uh, there is uh, a lack of control. They're too commercially driven was one of the barriers, a potential barrier to, uh, to signing on with aggregator platforms. So we'll see where that goes. If that's just a recency bias that because uh, it's a newer phenomenon, they don't want to trust it yet because they don't know how it all operates. Uh, we may see changes in those attitudes, but as for now, aggregators are here to stay in the UK. Uh, they're making their presence felt in, in Canada, in Australia, New Zealand, and here in the US. Uh, probably the last uh, great frontier for them in terms of the English-speaking world. But we'll see, see where those go. Uh, we'll see what uh, the future holds for these platforms, but we'll certainly have more on that in the coming weeks and months. Uh, last thought for the day, uh, for those of you who are world football fans, uh, you know, and who know me, you know uh, my heritage being born in England. Uh, today, later today at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, big day uh, for England, a uh, chance to make it to the Euro 2020 finals. Uh, and uh, prediction for the game will be a 3-0 victory for the English. Uh, sorry to my Danish colleagues, but you've, you've had a great run and an inspirational one at that. And uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, a final on Sunday between England and Italy. So until next time, we wish you the very best and look forward to future conversations. Have a great day.